0: This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. Are you enjoying the Hustle and Faith podcast? If so, please be sure to rate and leave a review. Doing so will help others discover this podcast. Thanks again for your support. It is very much appreciated. In today's episode, we're going to discuss Make It Make Sense, Quiet Quitting, and Sabbaticals. For those of you new to the show, the Make It Make Sense segments are basically my take on current events or topics that caught my attention or my random thoughts about life. (laughs) So as many of you know, I'm all about protecting my peace, so I do my best to limit how much news I watch or read. And I'm a huge fan of Roundup newsletters. And if you're not sure what I mean by that, check out episode 160, How Will You Make This an Extraordinary Year to Remember. In addition to Roundup newsletters I'm subscribed to, I sometimes check out LinkedIn because they have interesting articles as well. So I came across this article. I'm kind of laughing already. I came across this article that mentioned the term quiet quitting. Now, I heard about this phrase. I don't know. It seems to be picking up speed lately, and I've just been hearing this phrase all over the place, but I never took the time to look up the definition of quiet quitting to see if it aligned with my definition of what I thought it was. When I heard the term quiet quitting, I was under the impression it was someone who decided to go ghost. I thought it was someone who had had enough of their job. And they just decided never to return again, okay? That's what I thought quiet quitting was. And quite frankly, I've definitely been there. And yes, I've actually done that before. You heard that right. I have walked off of a job before. In case you're curious, (laughs) I was working on a long-term contract assignment for this one-woman staffing agency. And this was one of my earliest experiences of working in a toxic environment, Again, I don't come from a wealthy family. So the whole college experience of going off to college, just focusing on getting an education and calling home to my parents when I needed money, yeah, none of that was an option for me. (laughs) And DePaul University is not cheap. So I had to work full time while I was getting my education. So I literally, when I was in college, I worked full time and attended college at night. So for four years, this was my schedule. I worked from 8 to 4.30, and then I went to class from 6 to 9. Again, I did this four days a week for four years. (laughs) I never did an internship when I was in college because it just never made sense to me why someone would work for free. Like, that never made sense to me whatsoever. I mean, I guess if you're rich and you could afford to work for free, but I had bills to pay. So while I was attending college, I worked on various contract assignments for staffing firms. So, you know, it gave me the ability to pay my bills and I was gaining experience working in the marketing arena. Now, I've always been ambitious. So I was really eager to learn and wanted to prove to the companies I tempt for that were skeptical about hiring me. Um, I was really young at the time, I was about 18. So I just kept reiterating that I picked up concepts quickly. I was very creative and reliable and can bring a lot to the table if they would just allow me the opportunity to do so. So again, this was during the early phase in my life when I truly had not found my voice or the strength to stand up for myself because. I didn't want to be labeled with being the angry Black woman stereotype, which, by the way, is just a clever attempt to silence Black women from defending themselves from those who wronged them. Anyway, I was trying my best to project a confident demeanor, but I was really insecure. So it was almost like I had to be completely backed into a corner before I got the strength to tell someone all. So I was internalizing all these negative emotions that were causing me to feel more and more like a doormat. And I accept full responsibility for allowing that nonsense to occur. That was totally my fault. (laughs) So anyway, I'm working for this one woman agency. It was just me and her. And I'll never forget, I tried so hard to be nice to this woman, but she was just a complete jerk. I mean, she was a jerk. She was on the verge of losing the one client that was keeping her business afloat. And so she was taking all of her frustrations out on me. And the straw that broke the camel's back was when she started complaining about how I didn't cut a newspaper article clipping neat enough for her. You heard that right. She was complaining about how I cut a newspaper article, okay? I told her I did cut the news article straight. The clipping was cut directly on the dotted line. I, Seriously, guys, I told you she was nuts. So anyway, I knew she just wanted to pick on me. So that day just happened to be payday, and she had given me my paycheck, and then she went out to lunch. And so I I called my mom, super frustrated. I think I was crying too. <laughs> and then my mom yelled at me <laughs> for allowing that woman to treat me that way. My mom literally told me, Tasha, if it's that bad, quit. No job is worth your dignity. And so that's exactly what I did. I wrote a note telling the woman I was done working for her. I taped the office key to the, to the note, left it on the desk, and I never went back. OK, so again, this is what I had in mind when I heard the term quiet quitting. So imagine my surprise <laughs> when I learned the definition of quiet quitting as essentially doing your job and not going above and beyond the job description. OK, call me crazy, but this is insane. Whenever I do something, I give it my all. My mom always instilled in us that we're working for God always do the best that we can. And so early on in my career after graduation, especially after graduation, I would say somewhere between, I don't know, like the first five or 10 years, not sure. I was working myself to the bone for managers that were quite frankly, a couple fries short of a happy meal. I mean, that's the best way (laughs) to describe my working situation during that time. I was going above and beyond my job responsibilities in hopes that people would, re- would recognize and realize, you know, Tasha's a hard worker and she does what it takes to get the job done. I worked a lot of overtime. I outperformed my coworkers in terms of productivity and even volunteered to work on special assignments. And the, and the list goes on, okay? This type of behavior was not healthy, nor was it sustainable. And yet, I would tell myself to keep going. It's all going to be worth it. There's no way I won't get that raise or promotion. After all, I went above and beyond what my job required me to do. Surely, they would have to reward my hard work with a promotion and a raise, right? Wrong. (laughs) And many of you are probably laughing because you already know how this movie ends, right? Instead of getting the raises and promotions we both knew I deserved, The folks I worked for rewarded my hard work with, wait for it, wait for it, more work. (laughs) The promotions and raises I was expecting went to co-workers who were good at office politics. They got promoted for who they knew and not what they knew. And I was a little slow and stubborn, y'all. Okay, so (laughs) it took me a minute to realize that regardless of what I did, my efforts would never ever be enough. My manager saw the opportunity to take advantage of me being naive. I learned the hard way that in order to truly make it in this world, you need to put Christ first and use the time and energy he gives you to develop your talent so you can share it with the world. Many of us fail to realize that even though we view our lives as ordinary, someone else sees it as extraordinary. Our lives can inspire people You never know whose life you're going to impact, but you'll never get the opportunity to do so if you don't set boundaries. To me, this whole quiet quitting phenomenon is nothing more than an attempt to shame people like myself who have finally decided they didn't want to play the corporate mind games anymore. Having a healthy work life balance should never, ever be associated with quitting. Why in the world? Would I continue to work 60 to 70 hour work weeks, not get a promotion and be content with a one or two percent raise that fails to factor in the cost of living increases, fails to factor in inflation and other external factors that can erase any trace of that one or two percent raise as a reward? And I'm using air quotes when I say that for your hard work. People are no longer... Allowing themselves to be satisfied with the leftover scraps management decides to drop from their table. It took me a minute, (laughs) but I learned from my mistakes. These folks, the quiet quitters, also known as those who desire to have a work-life balance like myself, decided to put themselves first. They work to live, not live to work. I designed a life that works for me. I work from home. I've been working from home for several years, even before COVID, and one of the main reasons I enjoy working from home is because I enjoy my freedom. I'm not about to unnecessarily waste my time, energy, and money to commute to an office where I not only have to focus on doing my job, but then be drafted into participating in office politics, regardless of whether I want to or not, on top of trying to figure out which microaggressions I feel in the mood to address that day. Don't expect me to volunteer for special projects, be a part of committees, or anything that causes me to feel uncomfortable, doesn't benefit my career, or adds value to my life. Especially when I'm being asked to do so by the same people who repeatedly turn down my requests to take continuing education courses or workshops, which would allow me to actually gain new meaningful skills that would place me in a position to get to the next level within the company and my career. Been there? Done that? And never will I ever do that again. Years ago, I made a conscientious decision to choose myself. I've spent my entire life juggling more than one task, so I don't need to be micromanaged. I take pride in my work, so just give me some space. And you will, without a doubt, see results. I will always continue to give it my all, but I have a balance. I don't mind working overtime now and then because I know certain times of the year are busier than others. Sometimes there's last minute requests. I get it. Many times, folks don't even know I'm working overtime because I don't make a big deal about it. I just do it. However, if I find myself in a situation where I'm constantly working overtime, I ask for help. And if management continues to ignore my request for help, I prioritize my responsibilities and do what I can. Meaning, I do what I can (laughs) within the agreed upon time frame and tackle the rest of my tasks the next day. Not sure if you noticed this, but in both scenarios, I'm still productive, but I'm conscientiously putting my mental health first. Now I know my decision not to burn both ends of the candle, regardless of the fact that I was still performing at a higher level than my coworkers, rub some folks the wrong way. Again, the irony in all of this is that my productivity, which was already high, increased even more once I stopped working myself to death. My decision to no longer participate in corporate mind games resulted in me being overlooked for promotions and receiving decent raises, all because I decided that I would no longer work myself to death in order to prove that I'm enough. I don't need anyone or anything to validate my worth. I am worthy and more than qualified to be enrolled XYZ and deserve to be properly compensated. The way I see it, companies fail to realize the difference between someone who quiet quit, which again is someone really just choosing to have a work-life balance, and those who become disengaged. Someone who is truly disengaged doesn't even bother trying to do their actual job anymore. They already realized that their hard work was in vain, so they already mentally moved on and are in the process of staying on the job, doing nothing until they find a new job. Sadly, management is either so far removed or intentionally chooses to ignore the types of compensation or gestures of appreciation their employees truly desire, which is why they fail to realize the difference between quiet quitters and disengaged employees. Management can avoid these type of scenarios by honestly answering the following questions. Are all, emphasis on all employees, properly compensated in their current roles? Are employees encouraged to have and supported in their endeavor to have a work-life balance? Do employees have the chance to take ownership in their roles? Are employees acknowledged for achieving milestones? Are paths for growth opportunities within the company transparent and clearly defined? Are employees encouraged to develop skills and take classes to help them prepare for the next step in their career? Are employees aware of and encouraged to apply for open opportunities? If you can answer yes to all the aforementioned, then you've done everything within your company's power to demonstrate that you respect and appreciate your employees. If an employee decides to leave, it's not your fault. You both outgrew the relationship and it was time for them to leave. However, (laughs) oftentimes companies can't even say yes to the first question, all right? (laughs) Which addresses employees being properly compensated. People can't pay their bills with thank yous. If you really appreciate them, Start with paying them first, and then work your way down the rest of the list. It's super interesting how in Europe, if an employee, even if they are salary, works overtime, they are actually paid extra for the hours they work. In the U.S., working overtime, well, it's just expected, right? The rules are so pro-business in the U.S. that I don't ever foresee this type of attitude or law being adopted here, but it is food for thought, right? I think the main reason why quiet quitters, also known as folks who seek to have a work-life balance and disengaged employees, are viewed the same is because the result is the same. If neither one feels that their issue is being addressed, they're both going to find another job at a company that gets it. And the sad thing is, in both of these scenarios, I sometimes wonder if all the quiet quitters and disengaged folks needed was a break. I don't know about you, but I truly believe, and I don't care how much you enjoy your job, you're going to get tired. And at some point in time, you're going to feel burned out physically, mentally, or even both at the same time. And that's where the sabbatical comes into play. So for those of you that are unfamiliar with what a sabbatical is, it's basically when you take an extended leave paid or unpaid from your job, but you're guaranteed your position once you return. Sabbaticals are typically taken by university professors, but it doesn't have to be that way. Honestly, if employers are looking for ways to entice or create a sense of loyalty within the company, incorporating sabbaticals into the hiring practice could be a game changer. Sabbaticals are typically given to employees who have worked with a company for several years, and employees have to initiate the conversation with HR. And so then HR and the employee can work out a plan to address whether the leave is paid or unpaid. It would be awesome if it was paid, just saying. Uh, <laughs> the length of time and all that good stuff. So I've heard about companies normally allowing sabbaticals for employees who have been with a company for at least five years. Okay. However, if I were a company... I'd offer it every three years, and that's because this tends to be the time frame when most folks start to get tired and wonder what else is out there, especially if they don't see opportunities within their present company. Sometimes employees think they need a new job when all they needed was a break. A sabbatical allows you the opportunity to get some much-needed rest so you can focus on your health, which in turn is going to place you into a relaxed mode and increase your creativity. These employees can then focus on gaining new skills and creating ideas that will not only place them in a position to get to the next level in their personal and professional life, but the company will easily benefit because that employee is going to be more likely to share those skills or ideas with the company that allowed them to take a sabbatical. I think the whole idea of a sabbatical scares companies because they think What if an employee leaves? I understand the concern, but this type of mentality is truly disturbing. You hired the employee. You didn't buy them, okay? (laughs) Plus, the odds of that happening are relatively low. Most people wouldn't want to leave a company that allowed them this opportunity in the first place. And it's really sad. It's just sad how companies are so focused on whether employees are quiet quitting or disengaged. If employees took that same energy and focused on creating an environment of respect, being transparent with opportunities to advance, and the freedom for employees to grow their skills, employees would not view their job as something they needed to do to survive, but a place where they can actually thrive. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and & Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, the risk being no one. You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.